Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, I was recently asked to speak to a mom's group in central Illinois, and after recording this message, I just wanted to share it for each of you. There's no sponsor for this episode, so this is just our gift to you, and we hope that it rings in a wonderful 2020. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. John 15, 2. I love how Jesus often uses something physical to reveal a greater spiritual lesson. For instance, I did some research on trees to prepare for this talk, and I discovered pruning needs to be properly timed and not overdone or underdone in order to produce maximum fruit. And for anyone who hasn't thought about the word pruning recently, it simply means to trim or cut out useless or unwanted parts. And the way it works is that pruning reduces the amount of wood a tree has, so the tree can then use its energy to produce fruit instead of simply supplying energy to all the wood. When the energy the tree has is not divided into going so many different directions, it can be directed into a specific purpose, producing fruit. So again, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Isn't it interesting how important trees are to God? Even from the first book of the Bible, he uses trees to teach us spiritual lessons, and because his word is alive, I think he's going to use the picture of pruning a tree to teach us all another spiritual lesson today. So here's our outline. The Holy Spirit is the one who produces the fruit. God is the perfect gardener, and even in perfect conditions, fruit takes time. The Holy Spirit is the one who produces the fruit, not us, and I find that to be such a relief. The Bible refers to this as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who here doesn't want more of those qualities? but we don't produce these qualities in ourselves. Now, just to balance this out, there is other scripture that's clear. We do play a significant role in partnering with God to cultivate this fruit in our lives, but I'll touch more on that later. If you are a believer, there probably already is fruit in your life. Yet, as we look at healthy fruit trees, we see that new fruit often comes every year. So as we approach 2020, I'm excited for the new, fresh, or abundant fruit God has planned to produce in all our lives. But it's easy to get confused and try to manufacture fruit in our life. Like, today I'm going to be really patient with my kids. And then we fail. So if we can't produce it on our own, what are we left to do? That's where the Bible gives a straightforward, clear answer. The true way we produce fruit is simply by remaining in Him as we trust the process. If we read just two verses later after this verse that we're focusing on, we find Jesus speaking these words, and I'll read them here out of John 15, 4 and 5 in the Amplified Version. Remain in me, 
and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit, producing evidence of your faith, unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. Let me share something I recently learned about this verse. I mostly stay at home with our four daughters, but my degree is in marriage and family therapy, and I sense the Lord calling me to use that degree to start a podcast. So as about a year ago, I'm now a podcast host, mostly during nap time. And our podcast is called The Savvy Sauce, Practical Chats for Intentional Living, and that's where I get to interview a different guest every week. I remember one guest talking about teaching her daughter a lesson about this very chapter in the Bible, and she was trying to illustrate how we need to stay plugged into our source or else we can do nothing. So at her home, she pulled a leaf off of a tree, and together with her daughter, they watched it day after day. She was surprised to learn that the leaf could last and look fully healthy and green for over a week. Zero changes. Her illustration was not going as she expected, but God taught her an even bigger lesson than she planned for. One morning, when she and her daughter went to check on the leaf, there was one tiny black dot. And that dot rapidly grew over the days to come, and eventually the entire leaf died. What she learned is that for a long time, we can appear like we're doing well when we're self-sufficient and relying on ourselves rather than relying on God and simply remaining in Him. But we can't keep up that appearance for long, and in the end, it leads to death. So what does this passage say? Remain in me. We do this by keeping God's commandments and obeying His teaching, so we have to actually know what He teaches and what He commands in order to obey. You are already aware that this happens through Bible reading and prayer and fellowship with others who he may choose to speak through. And if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior in your life, you've already been given the most incredible helper, the Holy Spirit, and he will help you remember everything God has told you. So let's go back to our special verse. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. God is the perfect gardener, and we can trust his goodness in this pruning process because we know that he does everything for our good and his glory. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So as you look back at your year, in 2019, is there anything he just cut off in your life because it was bearing no fruit? For me, it's kind of a silly example, but it was Marco Polo. Have you ever heard of that app? It's an ongoing video conversation you can have with others, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. In fact, our Bible study group interacts a lot on that platform. So when I felt like this was being cut out of my life, I started battling feeling left out and behind on their updates. Yet God repeatedly made it clear to me, that that is not how he wanted me to spend my time in this season. When I finally submitted, I experienced peace that has been ongoing, and I'm grateful that he cut off that branch. On the other hand, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So he only prunes the parts that are already producing fruit. I find that to be so intriguing. 
But let's consider the same thing. Looking back on your previous year, what required minimal effort on your part that has produced maximum results? I'll share another one of my examples to get you thinking of your own. I used to love having a gym membership, but we had all four daughters in five years, and it was just something I chose to put on pause. But I did choose to join a gym for one month this year after some of my friends from that Bible study group started talking about how great it had been for them. It was minimal effort on my part, just a few hours a week, and I experienced a better mood, better sleep, joy, peace, patience, more self-control. Clearly, this was a fruitful endeavor, and yet I'm still trying to find this balance between too much and too little physical exercise as I set goals for 2020 and think through our family calendar. But this verse reminds me, he doesn't prune the worthless parts, and he isn't satisfied with just a little fruit. Instead, he's willing to prune and take something good to make it even better. This pruning process reminds me of an excerpt from the editing chapter of Greg McEwen's book, Essentialism. He describes editing as an invisible art, and he says it involves the strict elimination of the trivial, unimportant, or irrelevant. A good editor is someone who uses deliberate subtraction to actually add life and add to your level of contribution. It increases your ability to focus on and give energy to the things that really matter. It lends the most meaningful relationship and activities more space to blossom. As I read this, what comes to your mind about ways that God is inviting you to allow him to make edits in your life? Edits don't cut off the entire thing. They simply take away the parts that are not the absolute best, just like pruning. Is there anything specific that comes to mind for the way that you're spending your time, your money, perhaps your thought life on anything trivial, unimportant, or irrelevant in relationship to your greater goal? The filter I use here is relationships. Relationships are the greater goal. So if my time is spent on something that's not ultimately making my relationships better, I can ask God to prune me in this area. We didn't cover that final part of the verse, and it seems counterintuitive. So why does he prune what is already producing fruit in our lives? So that it will be even more fruitful. What's your so that? For me, back in 2018, I felt he was calling me to get a sitter for longer than I was used to. For about three and a half hours per week, I got a sitter to do work for the Savvy Sauce podcast, but we weren't even live yet. I didn't instantly see this benefit for relationships, but I knew he was guiding me to prepare and pre-record 60 episodes before we even launched. But he didn't give me the reason why. He didn't let me in on my so that quite yet. Instead, he simply made it clear that I was supposed to trust him and just obey. So he pruned my use of time, and the week we went live with the podcast, we took a pregnancy test that was positive. Our fourth daughter, Kessler Story, was my so that, with meaningful relationships remaining my overall so that. God graciously pruned my use of time in that season so that I could fully enjoy my relationships during my extended maternity leave, all while having plenty of episodes ready to release every week so our audience wouldn't miss out. It was a win for all relationships involved, and it reminds me, 
He is such a gentleman. And when we do it his way, it's better than we could have ever asked or imagined. He is the perfect gardener, so we can trust in him. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. But even in perfect conditions, fruit takes time. And I want to cast a vision for you now that this fruit is worthwhile and it's abundant when it comes. So don't grow weary. This is a worthwhile pursuit to participate with God to be even more fruitful in 2020. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And verse 10 goes on to say, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. We do reap what we sow. And we never reap what we sow in the same season. So don't lose heart and just keep doing good as you have the opportunity. When you think of pruning, it is little snips, which can hurt a little. But remember, it's not a huge cut. Still, the process can feel painfully slow, and this slow process may be easier to identify through our mom lens. With our children, we know it takes patience to see fruit sometimes, right? We don't just correct them once and expect it to stick for life. Sometimes it takes even 1,000 reminders for it to actually sink in. One expert in apple trees said that the first two to five years, apple trees won't even produce fruit. And you really don't want them to because they're using all of their energy to grow and mature. But when the fruit comes, think of how many people benefit from that single fruit tree. It sustains others through nourishment and grows in abundance. Just consider how many seeds are in a single apple. And how many apples come from one single apple tree, year after year after year? This abundance points to our God because He is so abundant. And again, this abundance is not produced by us. It's produced by the Holy Spirit. Which reminds me of another true story in the Bible when a little boy offered Jesus his five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus then used it to feed thousands with 12 baskets left over. I think this means for us that we can bring him whatever loaves and fish we have and commit it to him to prune and produce abundance in 2020. I remember offering him my loaves and fish. I simply said, God, I love to ask people questions. I have my license in marriage and family therapy, and I have nap time. What can you do with that? And he brought forth the savvy sauce, which I cannot even tell you how life-giving it's been and how grateful I am to get to witness God work with my sad little loaves and fish. I knew it was mandatory to share the good news about Jesus and his gospel message, and I even remember praying that God would use every square inch of our home for the gospel to reach the nations. Well, he answered that little prayer with exceeding abundance, as he often does. And because of his work, this simple little podcast that I record in our closet has now been aired in all 50 states and nearly 100 countries around the world. I remember tears filling my eyes when I texted our team the first day that we went international because I realized that he had chosen the savvy sauce to reach the nations with the good news of the gospel. He is so abundant. With these themes in mind, The Holy Spirit produces the fruit, 
God is the perfect gardener, and even in perfect conditions, fruit takes time but is so worth it. Let's read another verse from this chapter. John 15, 8. My Father is glorified and honored by this when you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my true disciples. That's the vision right there. All of this process is worthwhile because it glorifies God when we bear much fruit. So the Savvy Sauce mission is exactly what I want this morning to be for you. So allow me to read our mission statement. We exist to invite you to a space to meet with Jesus and be filled with joy to overflowing. Let's step into that space now and go through an exercise together as we begin to apply John 15, 2 to our lives and our hopes for 2020. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. While it is true he prunes us and produces fruit in our lives, it is still a relationship, so we're not passive recipients. He allows us to be active participants, which is so exciting. Let's remember that as we actually take time now to write some answers down, because we know that writing something down actually helps to cement it in our brain, and it helps us remember. I hope you've enjoyed this time so far, but more importantly, I pray that this time is a catalyst to transform your life going forward. You all are super busy moms coming up on one of the busiest seasons of the year. I want to create a space right now to put into practice what we've learned so that it's a launch pad to jumpstart us in 2020. So here we go. Look back at 2019. What branch did he specifically cut off that was bearing no fruit in your life? Just pause this and take a moment to answer these questions. When already fruitful branches are pruned, it becomes even more fruitful. So where do you see fruit in your own life? If you need some clarification here, I'm reminded of another episode with guest Christy Wright, and I want to take you through a few of her questions to help identify what fruit may look like in your life. So we're going to go through five e-questions from Christy Wright. First, typically, she says what you enjoy is also in your strengths, so it's likely an area where fruit is being produced. What is it that you enjoy? If God made you good at something, it's your responsibility to use it. The Bible warns us not to neglect our gift and instead to fan it into flame. So where do you excel even in relation to other people? Sometimes other people's compliments help us identify our own strengths. And after today, I would recommend you go home and ask someone close to you, perhaps your spouse, to list where they see fruit in your life. But for now, pause after I ask this question and write it down. What do others encourage in you? Often doing something that gives you energy will not take away from other parts of your life, but it will actually add to them because it will energize them. So what gives you energy? Next, I want you to think what comes effortlessly to you. This is the easiest one to undervalue, though, because you may falsely assume it comes effortlessly to everyone. But if something comes effortlessly to you, it's simply a sign that you're in your strengths. So what comes effortlessly to you? I'm going to list a few more questions on a handout, and we'll include them in our show notes today. But now that you're primed, I want to go one step further. I have one final question, and I think it has the potential to be the most transformational. 
After I became a Christian, I was living in Atlanta, Georgia, so my first pastor was Andy Stanley, and he had a profound impact on my spiritual walk. My husband and I will still listen to his sermons from time to time, and there's one that I just can't get enough of called This One Thing. I think it ties in perfectly with what we're discussing today, so I'm going to read you an intro paragraph, actually, to his sermon in hopes that you'll go on to listen later to the rest of it and see how this scripture came alive to him. So this is from Andy's sermon. He says, This next year, or during this year, there are a lot of things that you will do, but there is one thing that you've got to do. Now, that one thing is different for all of us. There's one thing that based on what's going on in your life, your relationships, your marriage, your finances, whatever it might be, there is one thing that if you could figure out this one thing, and if you would do this one thing, it would leave you in a much better place a year from now than where you are right now. If I were to sit down and talk with you, or you were to spend a few minutes thinking about it, there is something that's kind of hanging over you. There is something that is part of your life. There is something that this year, if you don't get anything else accomplished, there is something you need to do. It's that one thing. So as I read that quote, what one thing came to your mind? I wonder if whatever it is that you wrote down is your focus for 2020. Something that you can commit to God and ask him to refine and prune in 2020 so that it becomes even more fruitful as you ponder He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Like I mentioned, you can check out the show notes for additional questions and scripture and recommended sermons and podcast titles. But now as we begin to wind down our time together, my hope is that you leave encouraged to give God permission and even ask him, to produce more fruit in you in 2020 for His glory. I would love for you all to look back at this piece of paper on December 31st, 2020 and remain in awe of our God. I want to close with the final verse of this section of the Bible from John 15, 11, and this is my closing prayer for each one of us here today. These are Jesus' words. I have told you these things so that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy may be made full and complete and overflowing. May 2020 be your most abundant year yet as you faithfully remain in Him. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news, and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so He cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from Him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a Savior. But God loved us so much, He made a way for His only Son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with Him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. 
we can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished, if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.